This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, one more thing. This isn't really, well, it's about elections, and it's about technocracy, and it's about, we're talking about the Constitutional Republic being gone, so this will be a little bit about our founding. And so I find this to be hilarious. This is a common theme in uh, local elections so you'll see the billboards and then you'll see the yard signs and then you'll see i don't watch tv so i don't see any ads and then you'll get the mailers in your mailbox and there's always some buffoon usually a woman nothing against you women out there obviously i have a wife i love her very much i'm just saying it's usually a woman running for the school board and it's usually a hyphenated name so it'll be like kathy solomon hypersnack or something like that and so You'll look at her flyer and I'll say, listen, if I'm for the, if I win the Porta ad, we're going to get more money, more money. And this comes because we're talking about the technocracy piece with the weather bureau there and they're wanting more money, right? So I, we need more money. Our kids are failing out of school. Their IQs are down in the dumps. Their test scores are horrible. So I'm going to get more money and that's going to help our kids get smarter. And what are we going to do with this money? And then there's like a bulleted list with little check marks. And it'll be like, I need 200 million more dollars for more computers. We need 2 billion more dollars for more infrastructure in the technological sector in the school system. We need to digitize all of our books. We need more online learning. We need professional Zoom accounts for all the children. We need to have a laptop at every desk, right? So it's all this technology now. Well, there you go, folks. That's what I was talking about, the culture of technocracy. We're in the culture of technocracy because we've accepted it. Now, the normal person sitting at home is trying to figure out if this person is Republican or Democrat. That's really all they care about. And as you notice, they make it very difficult to find out. Now they all hide behind shit. They have flyers that are green instead of blue or red. They don't want to identify with parties. So they try to figure it out. Because if that person is Republican and you're Republican, obviously they're good and they're right and they need the money for more computers and more IT. If they're Democrat, then you hate them and they're spending too much money. And so what will happen is it becomes comes a battle over money and people will say that's too much to spend on this that's not enough to spend on this that's just the right amount to spend on this 
but they're missing the picture. They're fighting over that when in reality they're all accepting what? Technocracy, the technology in the classrooms. So this person, this Kathy Solomon Hypersnack or whatever her name is, she is now going to advocate to put more technology in the classroom and that is going to be the solution to how we're going to get our kids test scores up, test scores that mean nothing, common core garbage, and to get their IQs out of the dumps. You know, that's what they're going to do. Well, what they don't come to realize, and no one ever questions them on at any of these town hall meetings or these uh, planning and zoning councils or these board of ed meetings, no one ever raises their hand and say, listen, let's go back to our founding for a minute. When uh, the majority of these founders were multiple things, right? They're 37 years old and they're a lawyer, a doctor, an inventor a farmer a butcher a painter and a uh and a author they there's 17 things on their resume they're 37 years old how do you think that happened because there was no freaking technology distracting them so if there was someone running on that that said i am bob smith and if i win and i end up on the board of education i'm removing all it from the school system even the secretary will be using an old notepad. She is no longer allowed to have a computer. I'll remove all technology from the school. That guy I would vote for because it would tell me he gets the problem, that the technology is the technocracy. It is all part of it. The tracking, the data, the analytics, the metrics, all of that is part of the technocracy. And as I said, that is why you know now that we live inside of a technocratic culture. It's a culture, and it's a social engineering control mechanism from top to bottom and they won they've driven us into the culture that's why i said we're already here this is not a constitutional republic yes there is the illusion of voting for representatives but those representatives obviously don't represent you and everything that they do you did not consent to first off whether you're republican or democrat no matter who you vote for if your guy wins you hate him three weeks later because you realize you were snowed and then you sit there for the next two years talking about how you have to vote this guy out the next time folks it's an endless cycle of wrapping your hand in a towel and smashing it with a meat tenderizer that is what it is that's what voting is and so now you know now you know why i don't vote all right let's go over to this article here this is uh history and technology an international journal and this was technological parables and iconic illustrations american technocracy and the rhetoric of the technological fix all right and so when you go down here there's a paper that i grabbed a pdf very good by the way we're going to be using this uh on and off and this is uh volume 33 number 2 196 219 if you're looking for it it says technological parables and iconic illustrations american technocracy and the rhetoric of the technological fix all right and so let's just read the abstract before i go to the section that we're going to review this says right here uh, this is written by Sean F. Johnston, School of Interdisciplinary Studies, University of Glasgow, Dumfries, United Kingdom. And it says that Dumfries, Dumfries, United Kingdom. Hey, maybe that place doesn't have any smart technology. 
Oh, that's terrible. All right, abstract. This paper traces the role of American technocrats in popularizing the notion, later dubbed the, quote, technological fix, end quote, channeled by their long-term, quote, chief, end quote, Howard Scott. Their claim was that uh, technology always provides the most effective solution to modern social, cultural, and political problems. The account focuses on the expression of this technological faith and how it has uh, proselytized from the era of high industrialism between the world wars through and beyond the nuclear age. I argue that the packaging and promotion of these ideas relied on allegorical technological tales and readily absorbed graphic imagery, combined with what Scott called uh, symbolization, this seductive discourse preached beliefs about technology to broad audiences. The style and conviction of the messages were echoed by establishment figures such as National Lab Director Alvin Weinberg, who employed the techniques to convert mainstream and elite audiences through the end of the 20th century. Do you hear that there, folks? So it was written for a regular old mainstream audience. I told you that. They wrote all this stuff in layman's terms. And then they used all those fancy banners. I mean, really, some of the events look like Nazi events and all the guys were in the same exact gray suit. The women were in the same uh, gray skirt and gray top. With, they were all saluting. It was uh, very authoritarian looking, but they're authoritarian. They don't hide that. They admit it's a control system. We covered that in episode 82. So it says the style and conviction of the messages were echoed by establishment figures such as National Lab Director Alvin Weinberg, who employed the techniques to convert mainstream and elite audiences through the end of the 20th century. See, I told you they were weeding this uh, through, weaving it through the mainstream in order to socially engineer people into this system. They said they didn't need any votes. They didn't need any bullets. Remember, they didn't have to fire one bullet or cast one vote to get this system into place because they needed to change the culture. It's a system of social engineering, the science of social engineering. All right, I'm going to read from this, and we're getting to a certain part, and this is going to talk about how in Howard Scott's words, they would use social engineering to drive people into the culture of technocracy without actually having to fire a shot. And we still see this going on today. Each time they orchestrate some big psychological operation like COVID land, the high school theater production or 9-11 and the Patriot Act or the housing collapse of 2007-2008, they're always doing that that's a problem they create to provoke a reaction and then offer the solution which is more technology more technocracy they do it time and time again and each of the problems they create creates a hundred more problems and every solution that comes out of it there's thousands of solutions so they really advance the ball continuously This section is technocratic organizations and their seminal messages. Examples of what were later dubbed, quote, technological fixes, end quote, are an important feature of Howard Scott's rhetoric from the earliest communications of the Technical Alliance, an organization that he co-founded in 1919. I'm going to do a little history on that shortly. We'll we'll try to get that in tonight. It says, consisting initially of a group of some 17 men and women, the loose affiliation included economic philosopher Thorstein Veblen, electrical engineer Charles Steinmetz, conservationist Benton McKay, 
architect Frederick L. Ackerman and physicist Richard C. Tolman. Now, I've talked about some of those guys in a past episode. We'll get into more of that hopefully tonight. Most of them identified publicly with what American contemporaries recognized as, quote, progressive and reform, end quote. Policies in the period before and after the First World War and a number of the organization's advocates subsequently were to occupy posts in the Roosevelt administrations during the 1930s and 1940s. See, so many of these folks, right, many of the organization's advocates ended up in posts inside the FDR administration. This is part of the research I'm doing, which I'm not going to get into tonight, but about how the technocrats ended up inside the FDR administration. So FDR did not technically have to be a technocrat or at least run on the technocratic platform. Nobody had to vote for technocracy. They just put these guys into bureaucratic positions, and then they're there to start to build the infrastructure and the systems of the total control technocratic system. See that? Boom. Really easy. Brilliant. Goes on to say the purpose of the alliance stated that their first pamphlet was to, quote, survey the possibility of applying the achievements of science to societal and industrial affairs, end quote. I'll get into a little bit more about that, but this is kind of what Wide Awake Jim and Maria Albanese and I are looking into. We're trying to figure out who was the money behind this. We know they operated out of Columbia University. We're trying to see if it ties into the Rockefellers, into the Federal Reserve, and other things of that nature. Goes on to say, by collecting sound facts and applying rational engineering principles to modern problems, the not-for-profit organization would champion the replacement of, quote, maladministration and chaos imposed upon the industrial mechanism, end quote, right? So that's still what we're seeing happen today. I believe we're watching a controlled demolition of the current system, the end of the current system, right? I believe technocracy is already here. The rest of what's still here in front of us, an illusion of a constitutional republic, an illusion of capitalism, an illusion of the price system, that that's just what I say. It's an illusion. And so now they're orchestrating a controlled demolition of that so that they can blame it on that, make that look like it was the problem, and then usher in the new system, which is already here. They're still building out infrastructure for a number of the pieces, but eventually they're going to come clean and tell you you're under this new system. I mean, people will gladly accept it. They'll probably beg for it. That will be the reaction in the problem-reaction-solution loop. It says, the theme of the group's message was that technical experts rather than politicians and financial interests were the only viable providers of effective solutions for modern society. And so, you'll see... The reason why I did this now and not before is because over episodes 81 through 83, we laid the foundation so you understand what technocracy really is, right? And so when we're reading this, I don't have to stop and explain all that to you. If you haven't listened to it, go back, listen to episode 81 and 82, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I am Dustin Gold. I'll be right back. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right. 
right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment, please. We're operating in the technocracy, folks, and I need... I need my social credit score to go up, so please do that for us. Join us at pain.tv slash gold. Get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast, folks. Episode 80, check it out. My four-hour interview with Wide Awake Jim. He brings the charts. He brings the graphs. He brings the PDFs. You can download all of those at pain.tv slash gold under episode 80. You can get all that. You can watch the video, share it with your friends and family, make sure they see it. We want this stuff getting out there, folks, on the climate hustle, because the climate hustle helps usher in CBDC and UBI. That is coming. Jim will explain it all. We've got several episodes planned together, folks. He is a brilliant man. He has spent a lot of time researching this on his own. He pays attention to Catherine Austin Fitz and John Titus and a number of other shows. I don't have time anymore because I'm working on my own show all the time, doing my own research. So Jim is going deeper than what they've covered, and he's tying in all the pieces and how it fits into the overall technocratic plan, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, it goes on to say, Howard Scott was the public voice and chief engineer of the Technical Alliance and its successor organization, Technocracy Inc. Surrounded by myths, Scott's limited engineering training and experience appear to have been important to his style of engaging with wide audiences described by historian william aiken as a quote bohemian engineer end quote he frequented greenwich village in new york through the 1920s a persuasive and magnetic speaker scott's self-confidence in formal speaking style and fluent command of data on industrial practices impressed his audiences including established scientists and engineers remember i told you he was six foot five he was a chain smoker he had a very deep voice and he was able to command a room and so people bought into it it later turned out that he really didn't have the engineering credentials that he said but he sure as heck, he sure as heck could light up a room, folks. He could also light up a pack of Marlboros and smoke the whole thing. He goes on to say, in the economic and industrial environment after the First World War, the ideas fostered by the Technical Alliance gained uh, diverse attention. Labor organizations such as the Railroad Brotherhood and International Workers of the World consulted the group. And the New York World, aligned with the National Democrat Party, published a lengthy interview with Scott a year later. You see, laying the foundation, folks, laying the foundation of the social engineering. This is how they worked it into the mainstream. They did not need to win an election. They did not need to fire a bullet and they still don't today because all the people i mentioned earlier that are implementing this were somehow infected with the ideology of this social system this social mechanism this system of social control total control total control now let's listen to what Scott says. This is very important. It says the newspaper article provides the first recorded recounting by Scott of an anecdote of unusual pervasive power. A uh, succinct example showing how a technical solution could replace social, legal, and economic approaches. All right. 
this is important, folks. So this is Howard Scott talking about this unusual persuasive power, right? It's a succinct example showing how a technical solution could replace social, legal, and economic approaches. So this is how they engineer you into the system without you realizing you're being engineered into the system. Ready? For lack of anything better to say, I asked him a question which every advocate of a new order will recognize as an old acquaintance. Quote, won't you have to change human nature first? Mr. Scott smiled dryly. Quote, did you have to change human nature? He asked, in order to keep passengers from standing on car platforms? Go on, I said. I'm listening. They put up signs first, Scott continued, prohibiting the dangerous practice. But the passengers still crowded the platform. Then they got ordinances passed, and the platform remained as crowded as before. Policemen, legislators, public service commissions all took a hand, but to no effect. Then the problem was put up to the engineer. The engineer solved it easily. They built cars that didn't have platforms. All right, do you understand this? Very important, folks. It may sound simple or it might sound like the beginning of a stupid joke, but it's not. It's not. What Scott says is that you had these cars, right, these train cars, uh, and you wanted to stop the passengers from standing on the car platforms, So you go and you put up signs. Don't stand on the platforms, right? Don't stand on the platforms, right? You try to prohibit the dangerous practice, but the passengers don't care. They still stand on the platform. Then you get ordinances passed, regulations, right? And the platform remained as crowded as before. So no one cares. So you have policemen and legislators and public service commissions all took a hand, right? They all took a hand trying to police it, regulate it. And then you give the problem to the engineer. What does the engineer do? He removes the platforms. So no one now can stand on the platforms. And so the idea behind this little parable here, this story, is that the technocrats, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, they can change human behavior through engineering, right? So if you wanted to, let's say, have everyone get a cell phone, and you're trying to push everyone to get a cell phone, let's say a flip phone, and then you can't get everyone to get a flip phone, so what do you do? You just outlaw a landline, And then everyone will get the flip phone. You want everyone to get a smartphone? What do you do? If you try to regulate it or force people or mandate it through law and have police knock on the doors and say, you got to go buy a smartphone, people are still not going to do it. So what do you do? You get rid of the flip phone and you only engineer a smartphone, right? So now you have the smartphone and the engineer says, you want to track people? All right, we'll put a tracker in it. You want to do this? We'll do this. You want to do that? You want to do that. So what's happening, and as you see, I always tell you, I call them adoption campaigns. So they try to run the adoption campaigns, like with Elon Musk and Neuralink brain chip or the smart sock they want to put on your child. And they run the adoption campaigns for the purpose of for the purpose of walking you into it, because they don't want to force you into it via gunpoint, right? That would be counterproductive. 
So they engineer the solution, and this is how they're engineering humanity. This is how they engineered us into this technocracy. Look, if they didn't want people wearing green shirts, they can pass laws that says people can't wear green shirts, but people will still do it. So if the engineers are the owners of Santa Claus's shop, they just stop making and selling green shirts, and then no one will have green shirts. But that can't happen in a true free market system. That can't happen under true capitalism, which is why Howard Scott and the technocrats offer a system of total control, a system where you can't build wealth, a system where you're not allowed to barter, a system where they take care of your bare necessities so that you won't go commit crimes against the state, against the system. See how it works? It's all total control, but they've engineered us into this, folks, piece by piece. So every time we see this stuff happen, um, every time there's a COVID Land High School Theater production, it pushes in a new set of, I wouldn't even say the policies and the regulations, but it's a new set of this social engineering. This is how they engineer you right into the system. Let's go on here. I think there's some other important stuff. It says, as his audience appreciated, the cars were streetcars. The platforms were the open boarding areas and steps at one or both ends. By enclosing these areas and removing external handholds from which passengers could hang and fall, engineering design could straightforwardly compel and correct human behaviors can correct human behaviors that's engineering you thus where legislation and moral exhortations failed engineers and their technologies could secure desired social outcomes the first telling of the tale contained the seeds of a notion that was to spawn uh calories and compact cummings over subsequent decades the central message of the anecdote was the superiority of technical innovation over social solutions called technological fixes which and uh entrain confidence in the power of inventions to compel societal change they call this technological determinism implied the superior problem-solving abilities of engineers over other varieties of expert. That would be technocracy. And their role in the subsequent advance of civilization, technological progressivism, linked to the potent tale, the hubris of these abstract ideas was contagious. So you see that, right? So it was this idea, we're the smart guy in the room, we're the scientist, we're the engineer. We will engineer human behavior. We will change it by corralling these people into these systems that we're going to build through engineering, right? So we can change their behavior. You don't need laws. You don't need police. You don't need regulators. We will just engineer this system so that they have to follow the rules. Look, if they take away all cars and they only make one kind of car, as they talk about in uh, uh, technocracy documents, then you don't have a choice. There's no problem anymore. You have to go to this government station. It's like a government enterprise office to pick up a car that you're borrowing. And then when you bring it back, you're charged energy points, you know, from your energy certificates, your docked energy certificates for your use of that car. See, they can engineer all of society if they have a system of total control. That's why Howard Scott, what we reviewed in episode 83, 
said that it was a system of total control. There's no freedom inside of this system. There's no freedom of choice. The choices are made for you. Or, or you at least believe you have a choice, but you only have limited choices because your choice is made within a planned system, a planned society. Just like what we happen to be living in now, where you believe on this election day that you have a choice. You have a choice of whether or not you go and vote. Either choice is probably a bad choice because at the end of the day, you're still ruled, right? I'm just not going because I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste energy. I don't want to play in their system. But then you go down there and you vote and you look and you see all these little dots and you could fill in the bubble and then scan your card. So you believe that you have a choice, but it's false choice. It's a choice. Either choice has already been engineered by the system, by the system. So it's the illusion of choice. And so now Howard Scott is talking about this, right? He's saying, we'll just engineer this maze so that people can go right or left, but in the end, they're going to end up back on the same path. And that's what technocracy is all about, folks. It is the science of social engineering. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to engineer myself right over to a quick break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 